In one Espod satisfaction survey, Netflix ranks dead last, while in other places it in the middle of the pack. We discuss the survey results and examine other contradictory data about the Espod giant. Listen on to learn more. week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News and Colin Dixon from Endscreen Media joins me as always. Hi Colin, how is everything with you? It's doing great Will, good to be here again and good to be speaking with everybody in the audience. Um, We have lots of interesting topics for us to talk about this week. I think there's a chance we might get through four but uh, we're going to start with a couple of short ones right. Uh, We're going to do our couple of short news items that hit our radar this week. So are you going to kick off or am I going to kick off? Which one are we going to talk (laughs) about first? I think we said that you would kick us off this week. Right, so our first item is that ESPN has won the bidding to get Formula One races. They'll have the rights through 2025, and that's basically where they've been, actually, for the last few years. ESPN had the rights uh, before. But the interesting thing here was that Netflix was bidding hard. It was really trying to win those rights. And I think one of the reasons Netflix was so interested in getting the rights and doing live sports, which it said it never would do, was because of the smash hit series it has called Drive to Survive, which is about the Formula One, each each um, season of the Formula One races. And it seems like that that show just got more and more popular uh, with each season. Uh, so I think that's why Netflix was so interested. It's, it probably felt that that paired with the actual races very well. Uh, but I, Will, I think Netflix has done F1 the biggest favor in the world. One is this Drive to Survive has helped push up the viewership. I think I saw data that says uh, 20% more people were watching F1 this season than before. And a lot of that is put down to this the success of Drive to Survive. So that's way one. And way two was, my goodness, it's basically caused a 10 times increase in the value of those sports rights. They've gone, ESPN apparently was uh, spent about 5 million level for the current contract each year for the races. The Netflix has helped bid up those rights to between 75 and 90 million a year, according to the Sports Business Journal. So I think, I think F1 should be thanking Netflix up and down. They've done them a huge favor. That's more than a 10 times increase. That's pushing a 20 times increase. If it, you believe it's those huge, numbers. Will. It's just it's huge. Um, and this, I, I really do think Netflix is a really significant factor in in the increase that f1 has seen yeah no totally i uh i think that makes a lot of sense um and for espn that's just another you know opportunity to build value to keep people in the pay tv world i suppose right yeah and and they're sort of they've not stated how this is going to be carried but i would imagine that this is going to get carried like similar deals across espn espn2 and on espn plus now so if you have an espn plus subscription 
you'll probably be able to watch the races as well. I've, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that they will be there. Uh, so I have the Disney bundle, so I'll be able to watch ESPN. I'll be able to watch the Formula One races on ESPN Plus when they come uh, next right. year, I guess. Good. Fair enough. Well, I can't say I'm a huge race fan, so you'll have to keep me posted on what it all means. Yeah, yeah. My my sister is a huge fan, so I've got to keep up. Otherwise, I can't <laughs> I can't keep up with her. So uh, anyway, what what caught your eye this week? Well, what caught my eye and also yours as well was um, we both saw that Roku has struck a deal with NBC Universal to carry eight free local NBC news channels in within the Roku channel and that's all going to be for free so you know this would have been this is eight stations in in eight different US markets New York LA Chicago Philadelphia Dallas Fort Worth Washington Hartford and South Florida prior the way to get these would obviously be having an antenna not a lot of those people left uh, or through some type of pay TV subscription so this brings these local news feeds directly into the Roku channel at no extra fee for Roku owners. So it seemed like it was seemed like it was a pretty good opportunity for both of them. And it also augments a deal that Roku already has with NBC News Now, which is NBC's other uh, it's an ad supported news uh, channel that uh, NBC runs. So an expansion of their of their collaboration in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it's a pretty good deal for the local stations will. They've been sort of sitting on the sidelines a little bit and this I think brings them more directly into the living rooms of those folks that have cut the cord. Um, I think you know Roku has 60 plus million active users I think and one of the things that is absolutely true is that local content is still very important to people. They still do want to catch their local news and yep. get the weather and all of that. And this is exactly what these stations will bring in, these, uh, these channels will be bringing. Of course, they don't rebroadcast the NBCU syndicated content that's coming through those channels. Um, you'll have to go elsewhere for that, uh, possibly Peacock and possibly, possibly still your, your local broadcast station. But at least this gets the local news into the streaming environment. And there's, you know, there's a lot of evidence that young, young people are still just as motivated by local information as the rest of us. So I think it's a good deal for them. And I expect to see a lot of other local stations uh, take take their lead and follow on. And also, I doubt that this will be exclusive. I would expect to see these local stations right. showing up in a lot of the other fast linear platforms as well. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And one thing that wasn't addressed in any of the coverage that I saw was what percentage of Roku's about 80 million or so viewers per month, these uh, eight markets actually cover i don't know if you saw any of that no i didn't see that will so it's not that's not clear at all either uh but you know <laughs> to to get complete coverage you really you can't just go with one platform you've got to you've got to be supporting multiple platforms now so i would really expect nbc mbcu to be doing a deal with um, lg channels pluto tv um, and Samsung TV Plus and, and many of the others that are also participating in this market to get complete coverage. And 
And, you know, if you want to know how tough this is, uh, maybe this is uh, something that we'll get to talk about in a little bit. Uh, Cinedime has just released a new channel called the Elvis Channel. And they've got coverage of 100 million devices, but they had to release on seven different platforms to do it. So <laughs> that's a pretty good, pretty good coverage. But seven, seven platforms, seven linear platforms that had to release on to get that sort of coverage. So that's what you've got to do these days to get really broad coverage with your audience. Find Elvis. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Okay, well, we, uh, we wanted to talk about new customer satisfaction scores that were released on uh, various SVOD providers and what some of the implications of that are. And I think you're going to get us started on that. And then we have some churn, uh, potential churn data that was released by Antenna that we're, uh, I'm going to weave in as well. I do, Will. And I, I want to start out by talking about customer satisfaction. And I know uh, that our readers possibly caught the WIP Media satisfaction data. And, and I'll get to WIP Media's data in just a second, but I actually wanted to talk about the ACSI data, which was released a couple of weeks ago, which I think is also really interesting. and gives a little bit of different picture, a little bit more nuanced picture, I think, of Netflix's current position in the market. So what ACSI does is it actually, its customer satisfaction survey asks customers of the service to rate by a whole bunch of different criteria. So it's not just a question of, are you satisfied? They ask you things like, what is the quality of the service? What are they like for customer support? And, and various other different rankings. And then they combine all of these rankings to get an overall customer satisfaction ranking between 1 and 100. So it's a much broader score, I think, a broader customer satisfaction ranking. And so what you get here is their average for the top SVODs is 74 in their 2022 survey, which, by the way, is way above traditional pay TV, which is 66, and their VOD services, which they score separately, which was 68. So the SVOD is still doing way better than traditional pay TV here. And the leading service actually through customer satisfaction has been the same for the last couple of years, and that's Disney Plus. It gets a 78. Paramount Plus, it, this is pretty interesting, it leapt up to the second place from a sort of low low mid pack to uh, 77 and Hulu's third with 75 and Netflix is actually right in the middle it sort of sits uh, right there at 74 which is the average for the group so people are still on uh, overall are pretty satisfied but the problem for Netflix is that they are, when you took a look at value satisfaction, they're not doing very well. As we know, Netflix has now raised its price several times and is now probably the most expensive of the SVOD services. And I think that's really taken its toll. It now ranks last in the top nine services at 62% according to WIP Media. And HBO actually is way there at the top at 85% and Disney Plus just behind at 83%. So I think that's really where Netflix has suffered. It's the fact that they've cranked up their pricing now so much 
that they're the you know one of the most expensive and people are really beginning to feel the pinch and that's one of the reasons why they've done so poorly there but overall users of, of the service are still pretty satisfied with the service it's a, it's a mid-pack it's a mid-pack playing player according to acsi yeah so um i mean a little bit of contrasting data there it seems uh but Netflix remains the stalwart of, um, of all the SVOD, certainly by far the biggest. Uh, but I think to your point there, with the advent of more competition and competition that's priced lower, um, Netflix subscribers now have more of a basis for how to compare the value, <coughs> excuse me, the value of their Netflix subscription. Uh, whereas in the past they didn't. It was primarily Netflix and, you know, Amazon was in there as well, but it was really not a fair comparison because, um, you know, virtually all Amazon subscribers were getting it via uh, their prime subscription. So, um, so now there's, it seems like there's a better way to, for people to measure the value of Netflix and it's starting to reflect in, um, you know, what you say on, uh, especially the price increases, what you're saying on, um, the value satisfaction score. I think that's absolutely true. You know, one of the interesting things is that there was a there was a ranking done a um, couple of a couple of months ago, I think, which really broke out which service really specialized in what type of content. And what what you saw there was that, that you know there is very definitely areas of expertise by the different services. So although they're you know the top the top services are all general entertainment, they really do seem to excel in one particular cat category or another. So you know Disney Plus for example really excels at the at the sort of Marvel superhero action stuff that that you know they're really a top player in in that type of market. And Disney Discovery Plus is a top player in reality. And what you saw there was that Netflix really didn't excel in any single category, although it was a solid player in pretty much all of them. Uh, actually, superheroes was one of the areas that it was uh, weakest in. Actually. But uh, yeah, it, Netflix really is a tr- truly, uh, I think, a general player. But as you say, now there's plenty of things to, to compare them to. And there's a group of people who are finding that other services resonate much better with them. But, you know, one of the interesting things that popped up in the WIP media data was although they're ranking pretty low in customer satisfaction, in, in value value satisfaction, Will, they're still the service that the one service that people would keep. Uh, now, yeah. I have to say, according to the WIP media data, it's considerably diminished from what it was before. Before uh, last year, it was 41% said that it was the one service that they would keep. And that's actually four, fallen 10% down to 31%. But it's still way ahead of everybody else. HBO Max is 19%, Hulu 17 and Disney at 14%. So, you know, uh, yeah, people have got a problem with the value of Netflix now. It's definitely challenged in that department. But still, most people don't want to get rid of it. They still think it's well worth keeping. Uh, but I think, didn't you see some, some data that actually said that uh, that there was a problem with churn at Netflix now? Well, potential problem with churn, there's, um, there was some data that uh, Vox published based on antenna research uh, firm, uh, the research firm Antenna, which um, looks at 5 million, I think about 5 million consumers spending. 
And what it said was that in April, 23% of Americans who had signed up for Netflix had dropped the service within a month. And that was the highest rate of subscriber cancellation among all of the SVOD services that um, Antenna follows, and that includes uh, Stars, Paramount Plus, Showtime, Peacock, Apple TV Plus, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Hulu, and Discovery Plus. So Netflix was at the top in terms of subscribers that are likely to quit within, quit within the first month. So that it looks like a challenge, as you said before. You know, certainly the price increase increases that we've seen are making Netflix pretty expensive. There's a big library there, so people could be coming in and binging, binging a new show that they want to watch and then dropping out after that. But I guess on the positive uh, side, what, I guess on the positive side, what Antenna also found was that uh, their overall, among their overall subscriber base, they actually um, have the lowest number of all of the different SVOD services. So it looks like, again, of all the ones that I just that I just mentioned, they have the lowest monthly churn. Of course, you know, if the more recent ones become a pattern among a broader section of their subscriber base, that would be bad news for Netflix. But overall, it looks like the service is actually holding up very well. Yeah, yeah. And there was there was some other data from Parallel Analytics that kind of emphasize this. And I don't know if people are familiar with Power Analytics, but basically they're using a whole bunch of signals. Social media is one signal to sort of calculate in a proprietary fashion their what they call their demand score. And uh, they actually looked at demand score for dramas, which is, of course, a very important category, one of the most important categories that, that people watch. And they were looking between May 1st and May 31st of this year, 2022. And I've got to tell you, Netflix is still killing it. 42.5% they they give it uh, of demand share during that period for dramas, Will. And there really is nobody else that's even close. The closest is Prime Video, but it's all the way down at 12% and Hulu 11%. And that actually is a big surprise to me that Hulu is ranked so lowly because Hulu, of course, has some of the best shows coming in from ABC and, and NBC. I think some of the NBC shows are still there and Fox that are feeding into the Hulu Hulu service as well as their originals. So I'm kind of surprised that it, it ranks so, so lowly. I'm also surprised that Apple TV Plus actually pops. It's it's the fourth ranked at 10.7. Interestingly, Disney doesn't even show up in this ranking. So I imagine that they must have asked about Disney. But, you know, Netflix is by far the highest ranked by demand share for dramas, which is such a critical category. Uh, and I think that really feeds back to the WIP media data where you know people many many people think that it's the series it's the, it's the service that they would keep if they had to just keep one and i was thinking as 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 you were talking i was thinking about which one would i keep and i've got to say i i'd probably keep netflix if i had to get rid of all of them because 
while it might not have the best content in all the categories, it has plenty of content in many categories. And I know that I will be able to find something there to watch uh, that I'd probably enjoy. So, you know, that's that's interesting data from Power Analytics, which reinforces the value proposition, I guess. Yeah, I I think that sounds about right on Netflix for me also, Colin. I mean, they they clearly have the deepest catalog. And, um, you know, you're right. There, There always does seem to be something available on Netflix to watch just by browsing around a little bit. So um, the data that we just discussed kind of makes all makes pretty good sense to me. It does. It does. And when I you know, when I think about uh, there, there are quite a few things on Netflix that I've sort of earmarked that I do want to watch. So, uh, you know, I haven't watched Stranger Stranger Things yet. I definitely want to I definitely want to watch that. And I certainly, I, I've actually, I'm, my interest now has been peaked in Ozark, so I haven't watched any of those, so I want to go back and watch that. I've, I still haven't watched The Crown. So when I think about it, there's still a ton of stuff on Netflix that I do want to watch. And i got to say, when I go to services like uh, Paramount Plus or Disney Plus, uh, boy, Disney Plus to me is a lost cause. I go there, I have it, I can't find anything I want to watch. Um, and Paramount Plus also, I've just, you know, I struggle to find depth beyond my interest in Star Trek there. So I guess my second, interestingly, my second service could well be Apple TV Plus. Uh, the originals there are usually extremely high quality. There's not enough, but, you know, uh, there's usually one or two on there that I'm interested enough to continue to watch. And so that may well be my second most favorite of the services. So yep. uh, there you go. Fair enough. I think that's all we have for this week, Colin. We're right about the 20 minute mark or so, which is our target each week. Very good. Yes. Yeah, so being good chatting with you again, Will, and hopefully we'll be back with our audience next week. Likewise, we wish everybody a happy, excuse me, a happy July 4th weekend, long weekend. If you're here in the States, if not, um, just enjoy regular two day weekend. And we will see you all again next week on Inside the Street. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News. All rights reserved.